What podcast should I listen to next? Welcome to What Podcast Should I Listen To Next? I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. This is episode six. Uh, We are reviewing the Wellness Mama podcast. Well, usually at this point, I might ask you how you felt whenever you rolled this one. But we don't need to check that this time, do we, Mark? Oh, this was last up in three weeks ago. Oh, no. What? Um, No, I mean, oh, this might be good. It's called the Wellness Mama podcast. Oh, God. No, I guess not, Steve, but uh, yeah, predictably, I was worried about this one. I was worried that it would be jammed full of pseudoscience, where the only evidence needed to prove something actually works is a mother's intuition. So I wasn't looking forward to this. Yeah, I'd have to say some warning lights were going on in my dashboard. I did think this might be a little bit dicey, but let's get into it. Dicey, I like that. Yeah, ah, very good. (laughs) So... The topic of this uh, Wellness Mama podcast by Katie Wells is holistic health, real food. I don't know who's eating fake food, but anyway, stress, sleep, a slight outlier here, DIY. (laughs) I noticed that. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And parenting. So let's have a look, see what they had to say about all of these things. Yeah. And I guess um, the episode we're reviewing this week, as you will know, if you've been following us on Twitter, is episode 333. And that is how to scale up and become a thought leader. And that's an interview with Denise Brosso. Brosso. Denise Brosso. Yes. And to be honest, Steve, the title of this podcast did cheer me up a bit. It wasn't about science or a health topic. So no alternative medicine chat to deal with. And it was only 30 minutes long. Yeah. Well, you say no alternative medicine. And I know we moan a little bit about adverts sometimes. Mainly because we're jealous because nobody wants to advertise on our podcast. But it's quite a long advert from Beekeepers Natural at the start of this for uh, Propolis. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because we had that advert twice in the podcast. We did, in its entirety, twice. Propolis is basically some sort of magic goo produced by bees. And I was a bit sceptical about this at first, but I checked with my chiropractor and my naturopath, and they both told me it's it's (laughs) A1, really does the business. So Beekeepers Naturals, that's where you can get it from. Oh, don't advertise them unless they pay us, Steve. Show me the money! Despite what we're saying and we're having a bit of a laugh, we do go into these podcasts trying to be as objective as we possibly can be. We obviously have our own ideas about things beforehand, but we're going to try and judge this on its merits. Yeah, that seems fair. That seems fair. Before we start, last week when we found out what podcast we were listening to, we did chat about the host, her name, Katie Wells, yep. uh, doing a wellness podcast. And you know that is a really good example of nominative determinism. Oh, well said, Mark. I got that first time. Do you like yeah. that? Well, it's edited. I've got some examples of nominative determinism for you. Oh, If good. you'd like to hear them. Oh, I'd love to. One of my, one of my favorite ones uh, is Mark Duman. He's a Belgian footballer. Oh, okay. Right. There's obviously Robbie Fowler. Is that yeah. a good one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dirty, filthy player. <laughs> There's a, a guy in America, Les McBurney. Who is a fireman. Okay, good. Yeah. We've got Marina Stepanova. Ooh, uh, hurdler? Yes, yes. Russian 400 yeah. meter hurdler. Yes, yeah. Have uh, you ever heard of Chris Moneymaker? No, I haven't. Uh, hedge fund manager. 
Well, good guess. He's the first amateur winner of the World Series of Poker. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's good. good. Yeah. Uh, basic one, we've got Peter Bowler. Mm-hmm. He's an Australian cricketer. Yeah. And Mark Wiley. Oh, that's 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 low, isn't it? <laughs> cunning, <laughs> cunning as a fox. Yeah, that's good. So that's probably enough of those. But I do like nominative determinism. It's, yeah, it's fun. It's, I like it now that you've told me all those. Yeah. So the podcast starts, and the host uses her child to introduce the show. That's pure exploitation. No, oh, it's a bit naff as well. Who would do that? It should not happen, Steve. No, no, not in this day and age. And I say introduce the show. The child actually introduced three minutes of adverts. Mm. You've already talked about one of the ads. The other ad was for the company of the host of this wellness podcast. And it's for a company called Wellness with an E at the end. And the main products that they sell are hair care and toothpaste. Mm. And to quote their website, these are the most common and most toxic products in a lot of homes filled with ingredients bodies don't need. Yeah. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah. So you might have remembered, Steve, that instead of using shampoo, they provide a nourishing hair food. Yes, it takes me back, it takes me back, yes. I, I have thought of ordering some of her shampoo, actually. <laughs> uh, apparently it stops hair fall, but do you think that might be a bit late for me? Maybe for both of us, Steve. Yeah, yeah maybe for both of us. <laughs> you have got a bit of a sunroof there. And I was thinking, uh, yeah, maybe someone like Medusa might need hair food, but no one else really. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Oh, Steve, this is what I was worried about. Already, we're straight into this podcast and it's, um, yeah, there's problems everywhere. Yeah. She didn't mention the toothpaste, but Steve, what do you think? Is there a chance that there's fluoride in this toothpaste? Well, I did check and for some reason they've omitted the fluoride. Yeah, I had a look myself as well. Were you surprised? Shocker. (laughs) No fluoride. Again, though, I have asked my chiropractor and he's right on board with this. Yeah, good, good. I also think, Steve, that it is typical of a podcast like this one, which promotes wellness, and they'll definitely reel against mainstream medicine and the profiteering of pharmaceutical companies, while at the same time trying to sell their own products. Yep. But I'm sure, Steve, all the profits are going to charity. Oh, I would assume so. I would assume so. So uh, we start with our host, Katie Wells, who feels that mothers are in a good position to bring change within their communities. And what do you think of this, Steve? Well, I think it's a fair point. Mothers are obviously the most influential person in your life for certainly your early formative years. Certainly going to be in the top two, you would think, for most people. Um, I think as you get older and mature, probably less so. But I think mothers have the same opportunities and you know chances to influence communities as anybody else. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think particularly in the early school years, they are in a you know, very good position. They probably form larger communities than a traditional father would, who is possibly working more. Women are often, or mothers are often, in charge of household expenditure, which gives them a position to influence. Yeah, I think she does talk about you know having commercial clout through their influence, and yeah. I think that's that's a fair point as well. Yeah, it's it's all valid. Later in the podcast, she says a very similar point again and, and states that mothers are in a unique position. So I thought about this and how unique this was. And in a world population of 7.8 billion people, Steve, there are approximately 1.5 billion mothers. It's mm, unique. So I'm not sure how unique that is. No, well, it's, it's not totally unique. But yeah, she's got a slight point, but she's maybe labouring it. I like it. You like that? It's good. So then Katie Wells gets her guest on for this week, and that is Denise Brousseau, as we said, and she is a thought leader. 
She started a, a venture capital group for women, previously worked in investment. So she's obviously an intelligent woman and a leader in her field. So a thought leader, as you know, Mark, is someone who's thought of as a, an expert in their field. And I just wanted to ask you, well, she names a couple of thought leaders. I wanted to ask you, say, your top three thought leaders. You can't have the Dalai Lama or Gandhi. They're taken. Well, I have to say at this point, Steve, it was Katie Wells who came up with those two examples. Yeah. Not Denise Not Brosseau. Denise Brosseau. No. no, that's true. But in any case, you can't use them. I, I want to ask you your top three thought leaders. Okay, well, Katie Wells did say Dalai Lama, Gandhi, and etc. twice. So etc. Mm. doesn't count either. No, um, you can't have that, no. Okay, I thought maybe Martin Luther King. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. Oh, very good, yeah. Maybe the original Martin Luther. Oh, okay. And some other guy called Martin Luther that you've heard of? <laughs> and there was one they didn't talk about much, but I think Hitler might be a pretty big thought leader. Oh, he, well, he was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But she didn't bring him up as an example very often. No, no. I guess happen. you've also got Charles Darwin. Oh, yeah. You've got Galileo. Yeah, it's from the Queen song. That is yeah, the same guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, does that suffice? No, these are, these are all good. These are all good. I mean, do you want to know mine? Uh, please. I mean, I think mine are probably a little bit more highbrow, but uh, it's Kim Kardashian, <laughs> Justin Bieber, and uh, I couldn't decide for number three whether I'd go with Oprah or Trump. Oh, it's got to be the O. Yeah, probably is. Probably is. If I'm being honest with myself, it is. So Denise Brosseau, uh, as we've said, she talks about thought leaders and thought leadership, and she actually teaches people how to be a thought leader. So from what she said, it's basically having an idea, acting on it locally, but then also spreading it generally via the internet, using established communities. And during the podcast, this was often talked about as if it was some sort of social activism. And there were certainly examples of this given. Mm -hmm. However, to me, the term feels very Silicon valley very sort of tech startup and i'm sure that this term's generally used in the business environment and not really the grassroots activism that was described yeah i think that's that's probably true and it I, it may not be a coincidence that denise brosso lived in silicon valley no she does talk about how to become a thought leader and okay. it makes a few bullet points on this um number one tell people your ideas that seems a good place to start yep convening meetings and amplifying which, as you've described, really is, is using social media to spread information. And I sort of was thinking about this. I thought I could think of a pretty good example of mothers actually doing this. You've heard of Mumsnet, I'm sure. I have indeed. Yeah, it's, it's a huge platform. I think it started in 2000 or something like that. It's got over 10,000 bloggers. I obviously looked up, did a, did a little bit of reading around it. And it's really very, very influential. So you could describe the people who set this up as, as thought leaders or providing a, a network for mums. I don't know. But, you know, you could probably apply the term thought leaders to that. And I think it is very influential. And in fact, it's become a thing in the UK 
that um, prime ministers and prospective prime ministers, politicians of all kinds, have to go on, on mum's nets and host a web chat. Really? Yeah. Maybe something we could think about later for our show. And one of the things that they do is they, as part of the web chat, they have to ask them, what's your favourite biscuit? This really became quite well known when Gordon Brown struggled with this answer. Okay. Do you remember this? No, no, no idea. No. Right, so Gordon Brown's asked, what's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> he procrastinated for a while <laughs> and then said, I, I don't know, I, uh, I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> and then waited 24 hours, eventually got on Twitter and said, chocolate ones. Cool, well, yeah. he thought about it. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to get that wrong. So, I know you like a quiz, Mark. A quiz? Yeah, you like a quiz, I know you do. Um, <sighs> so... I'm going to give you some political figures in the UK, because Mumsnet's a UK-based uh, organisation, and I'm going to get you to guess their biscuits. Okay. It's called Guess the Politician's Biscuit. <laughs> Play the jingle now. You can add that in later. Okay, right, you ready? Uh, I'll start you with an easy one. Hit me. Okay. Nicola Sturgeon. Tunnock's tea cake. Oh, very close. Tunnock's caramel wafer. I'm, and I'm inclined to give you a point for that one. Oh, thanks. Because it was going to be Tunnock's, wasn't it? David Cameron. David Cameron. Hmm. I'll give you a clue. He's quite posh. Oh, um, I try to think. I'm not posh. I'm trying to think what's a posh biscuit. Mm. Um... Oh, I'm struggling here, Steve. Nah. It, it's, right, okay. I'm so bit in a Gordon Brown. You're <laughs> total Gordon Brown. <laughs> Just you want to get back to me in 24 hours, maybe. Uh, I don't know any it was a, <laughs> oat cakes with cheese. It's not even a biscuit, is that, it? Well, so how could I get that? He's <laughs> too posh to even know the okay. names of any biscuits. Yeah. All right, all right. Nick Clegg? Chocolate hobnob. Good effort, good effort. Was a rich tea dunked? Ah, dunked. Yeah, personally, I would say no dunks. Yeah, yeah, no dunks. Have a look at uh, episode five, by the way. Well done, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Nothing like plugging your own show. Um, Boris Johnson, to get us up to date. Boris Johnson. Yeah. Is a Kit Kat a type of biscuit? Oh, that could be a whole different debate. Is it Kit Kat a biscuit? I don't know. Is a wafer? So is a Tonics Caramel Wafer a biscuit? Uh, Sturgeon's at it again. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, and and a tea cake's a tea cake rather than a biscuit. Yeah, true. Sorry, that was my fault. Politicians are rubbish at biscuits. Anyway, uh, Boris Johnson was a chocolate digestive. Oh. Okay. And the last one I'm just going to tell you, Jeremy Corbyn, his answer was, if forced, shortbread. Just <laughs> <laughs> forcing shortbread on people. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore, does he? No, no. No one cares what biscuits he's got on the allotment. Don't even ask him. He's in a pure bad mood. Never even get a biscuit in number 10. Look both ways. Look both ways. Right, keep walking till we find this board. After that, Steve, we'll have to try and get back to the podcast somehow. Oh, okay. If we must. If we must. Yes. So the wellness mama asks for ideas about how moms can get started with generating ideas and influencing communities. Mm-hmm. And Denise uh, Brossow's main answer is email lists. Yeah. And I initially thought, what? What is this, 1999? Yeah. But then I realised that possibly with the fragmentation of social media, the main place where most people could be expected to have regular online interaction is via email. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 years ago, Facebook had a chance to take this crown, but with so many new players in the social media landscape, I feel that email is probably still the best way to communicate with many people at one time. Because everyone gets email, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually looked this up and there's 3.9 billion active email addresses. That's unique. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very unique, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I was actually surprised though, I'd looked at Facebook and apparently they've got as many as 2.5 billion active users. Which stunned me. I thought Facebook was uh, on the slide, but apparently not. Well, I just I can't see it taking off. I've, I haven't been on Facebook. I just don't see it going anywhere. I actually like the idea of local email lists, you know, to communicate with neighbours. Basically, with everyone's lives being so busy, I don't know about you, Steve, but I don't really see our neighbours. And there will be times, you know, when local issues arise. As an example for us last week before Anzac Day, we got a pamphlet through our letterbox inviting us to... You know, stand out in the street at 6am. Sorry, I'm just going to stop you there, Mark. Yep. You don't really see your neighbours? Not often, no. no but I, why did you buy that telescope? I thought you bought that just <laughs> to see your neighbours. Uh, that's for stargazing, Steve. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, yes. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we stood out at 6am and there was a local school kid played the, the last post on his trumpet. And mm. that did foster, you know, a real nice sense of community that can be important to a lot of people. So I yeah. think mobilising local People around a, an issue which which affects them can be a really positive thing. Yep. Well, my, my previous place where I lived we had, had a, a WhatsApp group for the neighbours, which is good. It was mainly consisted of people posting when they'd last been burgled or an attempted burglary. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, nice, so nice to hear about that. So positive. And uh, there are signs up where I live at the minute with a neighbourhood Facebook group. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. it does go on. Community activism, as you're saying, though, is that thought leadership? Don't know. But community leadership, possibly. At this point, I think there was some pretty positive advice from Denise to be try and be positive and constructive if you're setting up a, a network or a community group. Yep. I thought that was good advice. Yeah, I think on the same line, Steve, she also said, be careful that what you're actually communicating is correct and accurate and not actually going to cause problems. Um, take note, Donald Trump. Yeah, take, yeah. take note, wellness mama. Yes, also that, yeah, yeah. She, well, then she talks about a sort of positive story about the renegade gardener in L.A. Yes. This reminded me quite a lot of a book. I don't know if you've read The Sellout, which mm, won, it no. won the 2015 Booker Prize. Oh, no, I haven't read it. Right, no. so it, it, it's based in L.A., and this guy uh, starts off growing artisanal marijuana and watermelons and selling them and ends up reintroducing segregation and slavery. <laughs> area of LA. So I okay. thought, you know, possibly it's a slippery slope for the renegade gardener. I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, the book is totally rubbish. It's okay. Re- it's, really, yeah. it's really painful As to it read. often can be. Yeah, that sounds like, prize winner. like a funny idea, but yeah, didn't really go anywhere. But anyway, just reminded me of that. I was actually quite impressed uh, with Denise Brosso. I found her to be a very intelligent woman who's obviously had amazing energy and has achieved a lot. And I did feel that she was going along with the line of questioning from Katie Wells about women's roles and thought leadership. But towards the end of the podcast, a few times she mentioned that it's important not just to focus on moms or yeah. on women, but yeah. also on dads and men in the community to tackle whatever issues need to be faced. Katie Wells was quite silent on this. This was not on brand for her. No, no, that she had a script and she wanted to stick to it. But I, yeah, I liked the way that Denise tried not to just go along with it completely. And she also talked about being on a housing board in San Francisco and mm. the difficulties that she had on that. 
talking about particularly wanting to build affordable housing in an area where the house prices are unbelievably high, but actually facing hostility from people against further development, which is basically nimbyism. And I, I can appreciate mm-hmm. the n- nuance of that discussion. And again, nothing from Katie here. No, no, she's pretty silent on that. She did talk about a network in somewhere in California managed to increase the number of home births. So, Yeah, I found that interesting because my initial reaction to that is, oh, I don't know if that's a great idea. You know, yeah, you, I mean, It you, sounds messy, doesn't it? It's, imagine the cleanup. Mm. But, you know, more seriously thinking about complications. Yeah. It's funny, I, I decided to Google this and look up some studies and there's an amazing amount of varied results in those studies. And I think mm. it just shows you that it's such an emotive issue that yeah. whoever's conducting the study probably waits, is weighting it very heavily one side or the other. Yeah, it's, bias, yeah. And there's probably good evidence out there, but it was quite hard to find it because there's lots and lots of studies that, that will say one thing and then the other. Yeah, slightly funny home birth story. I'm sure you've got loads, but I, I, I'll just give okay. you one. Of the, um, Let's go. A friend of mine is a GP in Edinburgh, vehemently anti-home birth because of the complications to mother and child ended up sort of misjudging the timing somewhat and uh, oh, no. <laughs> having having a home birth had to get her sister around quick smart and, uh, not prepared yeah. for it either no no everyone was fine all all fine all good but yeah it did make us all laugh yeah. <laughs> i'm glad it made you laugh steve yeah. good yeah probably one of the most horrific incidents in that lady's life uh, she'll she'll never forget it i'm sure and uh yeah they think changed the carpet Actually, I've just remembered, I just remembered now that my sister is actually doing an MSc program in leadership. You just remember this now? Yeah, just now, yeah. And she listened to this podcast a couple of times. You've written about five pages of notes in this podcast and that didn't cross your mind? No, that's, well, she hasn't finished the MSc. If she had, then I would have thought of it first because she'd have been thought leading me in that direction. (laughs) <laughs> we could have had a guest, a guest host. I know, I just thought we could have. Oh, well. Is she as funny as you? Uh, yeah, it was very, very similar, very similar. Good. Yeah. But yeah, well, next time we do a thought leadership one, we'll get her on. Yeah, Steve, well, really, this wasn't a long podcast. We've chatted a little bit around it. Again, it didn't really have a narrative through it. So we just picked a few, a few bits and pieces to talk about there. And to summarise... This was probably a good version of this podcast or a good episode of this podcast for me to listen to. As I said earlier, you know, the topic wasn't offensive to me before I started. It was short. Mm -hmm. I have to say I liked the guest. I thought she was very impressive, full of interesting information. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to the host that struggled with Katie Wells. I found too many ads, six minutes I have a 30-minute podcast of ads, which is too much. When she's got a, an intelligent and articulate guest in the chair to yeah. interview. Yeah. yeah. And look, I realise I'm not the target audience for this one, but trying to be as objective as possible, I would give this one, Steve, 3 out of 10. I will never listen again, and I suggest that you don't either. <laughs> All right. So you're not tempted by other episode titles, such as Why We Need Salt? Well, yeah, I can. not really. <laughs> uh, an Eastern ancient traditional approach to health and longevity with Simon Cheng of Peak Tea. That one I'm definitely not attracted to. Maybe the salt one sounded okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I, I'm afraid I have agreed exactly with you and given it three out of ten. I think she was a good guest, badly interviewed. 
yeah, she really had to lead the whole thing away from the direction the host was trying to take it in. So I wouldn't recommend this podcast. I'm just a mom who's super passionate about creating a healthier future for our children. Time again to roll the dice to see which podcast we're going to be reviewing next week. And we've actually decided to change the podcast chart which we're using. We've got a lot of listeners in the UK and we decided that we would use the top 200 Apple iTunes podcasts from from the UK. Actually, talking about listeners, obviously we've got lots in Australia, but we do have a few in the USA and in France. So like those guys get in contact with us, drop us an email, let us know how you came across the podcast and what you what you reckon to it. Yeah. As usual, Steve, you're going to roll the D20 for the 10s. I will roll the D10 for the ones. All right, here goes. It is three. So, oh, it's going to be high up, 30-something. 30 30-something, 30 here it's we good, go. Oh, it's going to be good. 34. 34. 34, okay. top 50. Steve, you have to fill for a minute and just find this. Uh, no problem. Um, 34 oh. in the Apple <laughs> two, top 200 UK charts is, it's going to be something really British. It is... Gossip Mongers. Okay. That's David Earl. Joe Wilkinson and Poppy Hillstead. I have no idea what that is, Steve. Nope, don't know who they are. Looking forward to it, though. Well, we'll find out. We will find out. Tune in again next week. Please do contact us on our website, whatpodcastshouldilistentonext.com and or Twitter at podcastshould. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Mark.